Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 278. And around our MotorWeek podcast table here in Studio C at MotorWeek headquarters is Dave Scrivener, Kyle Scanlon, and Jessica Ray, and we're going to jump right into it. We've had three recent vehicles that we've done first drives on. We're going to talk about them today. One of them, however, the return of a iconic sports car we're going to save to the end but we're going to start off with what has to be i think the single most talked about vehicle of the year and that is the 2022 ford f-150 lightning we've been hearing about it for so long it doesn't even seem new anymore but finally we've had a chance to spend some quality time in it kyle you're the man in the driver's seat on this one. So what was it like? You're an F-150 owner. What did you think? You were a skeptic going in. Take it away. Well, definitely I uh, did go in as a skeptic for this super highly anticipated model. All electric. All electric. All electric. Uh, offered with two different battery setups, your standard, standard battery with 452 horsepower, and then the extended range, which goes all the way up to 580, both with 775 pound-feet of torque. And uh, I got to say, I was absolutely blown away. I went in there, like you said, skeptical. I am a truck you are guy. Very skeptical. I was very skeptical. I I like big V8s. I like loud diesels. You know, I'm I'm a truck guy. And I'll tell you, the second you got into that vehicle, unlike most almost all other EVs, you got in it, and you wouldn't even have known you were in an EV. They didn't add so much tech and extra buttons and all this stuff that it made it look like a spaceship. He was already and, uh, the F one fifty is already very tech. Well, heavy. already very tech but, heavy. But I'm but, not being critical. Of yeah, that analysis. Just, I'm saying. You know, they didn't have to add very much. No, they, they didn't because it is, it is a tech-heavy truck to begin with, but they just didn't change the aesthetics of it mm-hmm. to make it seem so tech-forward like some of the cars like the Mercedes we just got in. The EQS. The EQS. You get it in looks that like thing, a spaceship. And it's, yeah, it's exactly like being <laughs> right. in a spaceship. I just drove it to the track and back right before I got here, and um, yeah, it was definitely a spaceship. But anyways, we're not talking about that. F-150 Lightning. I was I was blown away. One of the things that's great about those is the instant torque, obviously, and it gets you going. And getting on and off the freeways around San Antonio, they're very crowded, very busy, and I have a 12-year-old truck that, you know, takes a little bit of time to get up to speed, but you just kind of blink at that, that pedal in the F-150 Lightning, and it takes off, and you are up to merging speed in a matter of 100 yards. Now, how many hours did you actually spend behind the wheel? Behind the wheel in hours? total with driving to and from locations on the two days. I might have spent upwards more of like five hours behind Were the wheel. Were you ever, ever concerned about range? I wasn't, but we weren't driving that far. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at at most, we were maybe driving what would have been half of the battery life on the car. What are they talking about? It from was, um, range? I believe the first one I got in was an extended range, and that had, I believe it was around 300 yeah, that's when I got like into three, it. Yeah, 320. Yeah, three, around 300, 320. Um, 
But again, I just because I knew I wasn't driving that far. It's not something I was so focused on. I was more so thinking about you know the road feel if it felt like a truck, which it did. Um, steering still had that truck sort of. Yep, steering has that great truck. Yeah. Even the throttle feels like a gas-powered engine, mm-hmm. and you know it's not as twitchy. And if you put it, you know, once you put it in off-road mode, it actually changes the response feel on the throttle so that it's actually if you're in off-road, it's a little more forgiving for when you're trying to you know get over a rock or a difficult obstacle that it won't pump so much power that you just kind of fly away. I got one more question. Yes. I'll hush up and let everybody else dive in. <laughs> I'm bothered by the TV commercials that they show it towing a heavy trailer. Mm-hmm. Any insight into how, say, towing a 6,000-pound or 7,000-pound uh, trailer, because I think it has a maximum of 10,000 pounds. For the towing. extended range battery, right. yes. What does that do to the range? Does that, I mean, you know, they show it out in the middle of the desert, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, how many times did you charge it up to get there? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that question was asked by mm-hmm. myself and many other people, and uh, the response basically was the same percentage that it will take you away from a gas powered or diesel powered engine is going to do the same so thing to the batteries. Half. Yeah, so basically half. So if you're with the extended range battery running with 10,000 pounds in the back, which is its max tow capacity, you get 150 miles. Oh, uh, you'll get yeah, probably 150 miles. Something like that. Well, that's if that's, you're probably that's on a, flat ground. A reasonable <laughs> and I think that fits in with Ford's you know trying to make sure that it it you look at it like you would any other F1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You won't take it on long, long distance camping trips, but you might take it to the lake with your boat, which might be 100 miles away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're keep, maybe yeah keep the trips around 100 miles an hour, and let, you know, if you find a fast charger in between, then go for it. But yeah, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be expecting any long hauls. Yeah. With a heavy trailer. Any EV actually. Yeah. Price yeah. though, I mean, you know, I, I'm of the belief that with all, you know, right now we have so many electric vehicles, but what, seventy percent of sales are still Teslas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the F one fifty is going to change that equation. Yes. Big time. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. As long as they can build them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're building. What have they built? They built five thousand of them so far, or at least they did a week ago. Mm-hmm. Compared to the price of the Hummer truck. Yeah, it's you know even the top it's model. A it's a drop in the it's bucket. Just, yeah, I mean, the... well, the I mean the base model starting right over after destination forty grand. That's a that's a bargain. Yeah, yeah. And it makes it accessible 42. as that's... a work truck. Yes. Yeah, and that's the pro. That is the workers' truck. Right. Is you know is that model, and then the, you know the was it the platinum starts you know just under ninety three, which is still a lot of big. money for a truck. <laughs> but it's big but money, it's but, but I mean I know people that spend we, that money on trucks. Get so those it's on par for the course these yeah. days. Yeah, we get new trucks in here all the time. They're eighty thousand dollars and up. So, yeah, I mean it's not once you're hitting the top trim levels for sure. <sighs> I mean it's not my cup of tea, but. <laughs> But people are buying them. People (laughs) are are buying them. They are. They clearly are okay with spending close to six figures on a pickup truck. Mm -hmm. I want to ask everybody around the table, what do you think? I mean, one of the big selling points of not only the F-150 Lightning, but also a lot of the other EVs that we've gotten in, is this is a big battery that you can charge and run a lot of other stuff off of, including your house. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, which I think... I actually think that is a huge sales 
positive. Yeah, we had a, a run through of that whole system. So I forget the exact specifics of it. But when you buy the truck, I believe you get the home charging system. And then the entire system that you were just talking about that brings the power have, out. You have to have it installed you have to have in a, your house. Yeah, very right. special box system, which I'm sorry, I don't. I just got it's, back from the racetrack. It's, racetracks, a, it's so I don't an interface. <laughs> it's not that unusual with the generator. Yeah, but it, it'll read. Uh, if you have your truck plugged in and the power goes out, it will automatically know that right. the power is out on the in your house and then take the power from the truck and reroute it into your house and if you're using minimal stuff basically just you know keeping your refrigerator running and one tv in the living room or something like that you can do it for about three days yeah it's pretty amazing i mean i think it's really cool that is cool i mean i've got a backup generator at home and it's the same principle yeah except yours doesn't run Start <laughs> Wednesday and test itself. I remember when you first, I'm getting off the subject, you first got that installed, and the first time you went to use it, it ran for like a minute. And yeah, well, Works better you're now. better off than I am. Thanks, Kyle. That that was, I, I can't wait to actually spend some time in it myself because um, I know I have so many friends that are buying, have already put down money on one. Wow. And I yeah. saw somebody on the internet today was talking about they put down money on the Rivian. And Rivian's mm-hmm. having severe production oh, yes. problems. Yep. So this same person has also got money down on the Lightning and said, whichever one arrives <laughs> first, they're going to buy. So. Yeah, you only got to put, what, 100 bucks down? So yeah, it's not a next biggie. to nothing. <laughs> okay, I'm then going to – let's turn things over to Jessica now for a totally different take, but a hugely important take, and that is the all-new 2022 Mercedes-Benz C-Class. Really the benchmark, I think, for uh, the luxury class of sedan. And for all automobiles, really. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is Mercedes' best-selling model. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, and it's their entry-level uh, vehicle. So it's really important to their brand, obviously. And one of the things that, uh, when I drove the S-Class last year for the very first time, I mean, obviously you drive the S-Class, and that's like the the top-notch, mm-hmm. top-the-line uh, epitome of of luxury, but. Uh, when I drove the S-Class, I thought, what does this mean for the rest of the lineup, mm. right? What does this mean for the E-Class? What does this mean for the C-Class? And obviously a new C-Class is here, and you can clearly see where that new design language for the S-Class has come into play on the exterior and on the interior. But it doesn't look that much different, I don't think, does it? It's not a it's, revolutionary it's update, right. I would say, on the that's, outside. That's typical for them, though. Correct. Right. I mean, I would say, like, the current gen or the old – because this is now the current gen, but the old gen, I think, aged pretty well. But, like, everything is just a little bit smoother, and, like, the, the taillights are a little bit more modern now on this on the 2022 model. Um, it's got the, the cab backward design, so, like, the, the um, like hood and, like, the, the front of the vehicle is just a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. Mm. So it kind of has a much so larger presence. So they push the cab rear, rearward a bit. Yes, yes, correct. Right. Yes. So yes. And so um so when you look at it, it you're like that looks like a tiny S class. It looks mm. like it's little sibling. Um so exterior wise, uh that's you can imagine. Um but then interior wise, it has that same sort of dash cluster set up uh, as well as that brand new central display that's like 12 inches. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, it's very big, which at first is is intimidating. Um, and there also is like less uh, piano black 
uh, in the C class, which I really appreciated so that my fingerprints Don't. didn't get everywhere. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, there's like a, a lot of standard features here. We get wireless Apple CarPlay. You get uh, an Android Auto, uh, standard sunroof, standard safety features. You get pre-safe. Um, but then also because starting price we'll, we'll talk is like just around $45,000 after destination. Well, let me um, ask but, you this question mm-hmm. again, a little off topic, mm-hmm. but since sedans are waning in their influence in this country, what does the new C-Class tell you about their entry-level and mid-level SUVs that are coming that are going to be based on basically the same chassis? Well, I mean, it's just uh, – it almost seems like Mercedes is 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 – currently staying just ahead of everybody else right with their standard features they're thinking to themselves like we're going to make sure because because they recognize that the gap between the top of the line um uh, non-luxury vehicles and then entry-level luxury vehicles seems to shrink every single year that was something that we talked about at the event um so what they have essentially is just that much more right standard features that would interest people into staying with an entry level luxury. I used to call those near luxury cars. Right. Yes. <laughs> so um of course like y- you can also option this thing out so it'll get over $60,000, right? Um and, and which includes a really interesting feature which uh on the S class is the augmented uh head up Augmented reality head-up display, which essentially just puts a marker on the road that you can see and tells you exactly where to go. It's an error. It's an weird. arrow. It's kind of weird the first yeah. time it does it. It In is. Yeah. Right. So now the C-Class's entry level doesn't have that. But what they did do, because uh, keep in mind, like putting something like that would be incredibly expensive in an entry-level model. But what they did do is they now utilize the center display, that large center display. And when you are using the native navigation, it will put um, – a video will come up on that center display, and it will put the arrow on the road, essentially in front of you. Hmm. So instead of seeing it in the head-up display, you can still see it in the center display. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, I, I would have thought it would have worked better uh, in the dash cluster, right? right? Because I mean that the dash cluster, keep in mind, is also 12 inches long. It's, it's very, (laughs) it's still very big. So um, the, I would have thought it would have made sense because you just kind of take your eyes down just briefly instead of taking your eyes off to the side um but still like very very cool technology and i really was impressed with like how they're able to still implement what we you know saw in this top level model and put it in their entry level before i I let you go powertrains any hybrid powertrain it's kind of unusual not to hear about that first what correct so yes uh the also big news specifically for the the c-class is that it now comes standard with a mild hybrid powertrain um so it has a 48 volt uh battery in it that helps you know with efficiency and, and powering other things um, but so that actually will give you, let me, let me look at my, I have my horsepower numbers here. So, uh, the internal combustion engine will get you 255 horsepower and 295 pound feet of torque. That's the, uh, uh, I four turbo. And, but that 
uh, EQ boost with their mild hybrid system will get you an additional 20 horsepower and 148 pound-feet wow. of torque. That's a lot. So that's a total of 443 pound-feet of torque. Um, and that's going to be available when you initially hit the uh, gas to move away. Correct. Yeah, you put that in sport mode, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It's paired with a nine-speed automatic. So, um, yeah, I mean, it really an incredibly mm. impressive uh, model, um, and I I kind of can't wait to spend some more time in it. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, we're going to come back to one more vehicle we'll talk with Dave about in a few minutes. But let's go to a lightning round. And this um, involves a recent Volkswagen announcement that they're going to be reviving the old Scout brand. And those of you that don't remember the Scout brand, uh, that means you're not as old as I am. It's the old International (laughs) Harvester uh, off-road and pickup truck brand. Uh, I'm not even sure when they stopped, Dave. You wouldn't know that. 60s? 70s. 70s. Um, they're going to be using the Scout uh, brand with their an electric pickup truck and an SUV. It'll be uh, founded as a separate brand to VW and even a separate company. Uh, production is slated to start a few years from now in 2026. What do we all think about Volkswagen finally entering the truck segment in the U.S.? And uh, because they've they've teased us with their global pickup truck before, the rabbit happened. wasn't a truck. Pardon? The rabbit wasn't a pickup. Well, truck. you know that's it was true. A diesel it was. baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, if you would remember the Scout brand, you remember the old uh, uh, VW Bug. I guess Volkswagen uh, acquired the parent company mm-hmm. through various mergers yeah. and got. Rights to the brand. Or the name, mm-hmm. anyway. The name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the retro trend is hot with Bronco and all that stuff. Oh, around. yeah. So I guess it makes sense to bring back the Scout, which has a cult following of its own. All right. Yeah. Now, the Scout name, to anybody here, but you, you're because you know more about uh, what vehicles from yesteryear than anyone else. <laughs> what does Scout, what image in your mind, capability-wise, what is this thing going to have to be to live up to that name? Well, it wasn't – the Scout back in the day wasn't as, I think, as rugged as the Bronco was. It was uh, like a, a Wagoneer type, mm-hmm. kind of a country gentleman, um, farm farmer vehicle, gentleman farmer vehicle. Right. Perhaps it wasn't your serious off-roader. I guess they had packages that might have gone off-road like that, but I don't see it as the same – like a it's Jeep. not a Wrangler it's not a or Jeep. a Bronco. It's not a Wrangler. It's not a Bronco. I think that's fair. I don't ever remember until I saw people taking old ones and, and tricking them out that it was particularly uh, yeah, Stock, noted. they weren't all that. And they, they had a travel all, too, which is like the Suburban. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they could get you through a muddy farm field mm-hmm. if you had to. Um, and, of course, being electric means it's going to have a, a low center of gravity and probably be pretty heavy. I can imagine that. Yeah. Any other comments? I mean uh, – I think it's going to enter in a time where there's going to be a lot of competition. Mm-hmm. You know, in the next five years, we're going to be seeing a lot of EV pickups and a lot of EV uh, larger SUVs. Um, so, but, you know, Volkswagen also is, is you know, they, they understand that their future is electric. And I've enjoyed so far, uh, you know, the ID4. I think that's a really great start for the brand and and the, and the buzz i can't wait to can't wait to drive the buzz so um no yeah, i mean i think yeah, it'll I mean, be I really interesting they're building the id brand which mm-hmm. is great and they've got a variety of uh, things coming out with that platform suvs and vans and things and i think having the scout as this kind of a separate little thing 
might give their truck push more presence mm-hmm. as the name and a little, little something different. Kyle, as um, a truck guy? Yeah, I mean, you know, I love the old Scouts. I, I like the style of them. I thought they were fantastic. All right, really, so you're, really you're cool. substantially younger than you could possibly be to have experienced the Scout originally. Not, not true. When you see a Scout, mm-hmm. what does it – and you like them. So I do. I do What like does it them. say to you? What, do you? what is it that you find appealing? I mean, you know, it, bare bones, like Dave was saying, uh, they're not the greatest thing in the world. I kind of see potential. <laughs> if okay. I see one on the road, I'm like, oh, I can do a whole lot to that and make it look really, really cool. But um, what I'm interested to see what Volkswagen does is, you know, how much are they going to touch on the old styling? Because with, like, the ID and stuff like that, they're not doing throwback stuff. You know, they're making stuff look newer and more futuristic and sleeker. And, you know, the Scout is a— homogenous. Yeah, and the Scout is just this boxy You've got that image in your mind of what the Scout is. Yeah, so— Much like what Ford did with the Bronco. Exactly, and I think Ford did a a good job with the Bronco. Um, You know, I don't think Jeep did— as good of a job with the Wagoneer as when it comes to like a throwback look, it looks absolutely nothing like the original. <laughs> they just wanted to sell it. And to yeah, they just, they just wanted to sell that big old thing. But uh, yeah, I just hope that, uh, that they don't focus so much on the idea of it just being electric that therefore they got to make it look super electric. You know, this is even just going mm-hmm. back to before with the F-150 Lightning. It doesn't look that much different than the regular F-150s out there, which is what's going to make peop- real truck people look at it more so than anything else. And I think if they keep the Scout and do a, a really good job not doing too much, just kind of, you know, keep it simple. and Keep, keep it simple. Yep, just okay. keep, just keep it simple. Really and I think they'll approach. get people to, to take a look at it. Let's transition to um, something entirely different but uh, marginally related because of the times we're in. We have a viewer question from John Jensen. Very nice, John. says, love your show and watch you weekly. Thank you very, very much. Um, He was very impressed with our review of the Ford Maverick. Uh, He went online a few days ago and found a few local dealers that had them in stock. He checked their prices. They showed the MSRP pricing and under it, another charge called addendum pricing, which was an additional $10,000 or basically half of the base price of the truck. There's the fine Uh, print, folks. This additional amount was due to high demand and low available units. It's also called market adjustment pricing. Mm Both Ford and GM are upset at the practice. What are our feelings on the situation? Gee, I think we may all agree on this. Go ahead. Uh, we all hate it's it. a really I mean, bad Ford situation. And, <laughs> Ford and GM may be against it, but dealerships kind of had well, the, have the leeway to do this. And Dave's I, had some first-hand experience. I was in Chicago on a shoot and saw a GMC Hummer pickup on the showroom floor. It was sold at two ninety eight. Oh. It had a $171,000 market adjustment on the sticker, and some fool bought it. That is just robbery. <laughs> It's just a bad look. It's, it's, you know, it's pure greed. Automotive dealers don't have the best reputation as far as, um, shall I say, taking advantage of the situation. This is just going to hurt them long term. I know Mm -hmm. they're making money right now and they can sell everything they get, but their reputation, some of these dealers have spent decades and untold amounts of money advertising what honest places they are, come, we trustworthy, all of this, and a lot of it's just being thrown out the window. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, absolutely agree. I think this is just going to burn them in the end because, 
I mean, thinking about like the Maverick, right? Specifically, this is supposed to be a cheap truck. Right. You're buying this truck because it is under twenty five thousand dollars, and when you go to a dealership to buy a XLT, you know, with the EcoBoost engine that MSRP's at twenty three thousand dollars, and you can't get it for less than thirty five. Yeah. Something is wrong, yeah. and but I will also say to people, stop buying stop cars because clearly they are selling them. That's yeah, why yeah. they're marking they're them getting up. Getting away with it, so they keep doing it. I understand if you absolutely right. need a vehicle. Your old vehicle has died for the last time. I got asked this question just uh, a neighbor of mine whose uh, daughter in Atlanta just paid. She actually got a decent deal. She bought a Ford Explorer and got it for a little less than sticker. And I said, "That's she's a good negotiator, obviously. (laughs) But I said, he said, is is there anything right now that you can buy? I said, I don't think people should be buying anything right now unless they absolutely have to. Or there's some compelling reason. For instance, the particular model you like so much is going out of production or it's going to be changed or there's features going away. Something where if you wait, you won't be able to get it. But if you can get it a year from now, maybe two years from now, and you don't need it, don't make this situation worse. But like you said, even though sales are way off the pace of 16 million, the industry would like to see, they're still selling 13 million. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people still buying. Yeah. And right now, you know, one of the interesting things, of course, is that electric vehicle sales are way up. They're up mm-hmm. like up 40%. But that's 40% in a market that's down, you know, about 20%. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep things in perspective. Right. But right now, uh, if you are in the new car market, please look carefully, play one dealer off against the other. Some of them actually are still selling vehicles at or only slightly above uh, the listed price. If someone wants a whole bunch of money from you extra, you can try to negotiate them down. But failing that, go somewhere else. Look, yes, at, look yes, go on to, yes. to the Internet and look for dealers that are in the middle of nowhere, where they have limited markets. Mm-hmm. You might find a better deal, and it might be worth your driving. Yeah, I just I, – I, this situation just can only end badly. I think it can only end badly for dealers. I think it can only end badly for consumers as well because – well, like again, like we look at a Maverick, you are spending $35,000 on a car that's only worth 23. And it's not going to be depreciated from that 35. Correct. It'll, It'll be depreciated from 23. From 23. Market yes. value yeah. in five years. Yes. Not you be- walk you, off the lot, you lost 12 grand immediately. You will lose money. I mean, maybe not or right drive now. Off the lot. Right now, well, because you, you can to, flip things yeah, right now, but eventually. To trade it in. And you're looking for how much my vehicle's worth for that new vehicle. If times have changed, well, it doesn't matter where times have changed. They will look up in a book how much is the wholesale value. You're still making payments on thirty-five thousand. That's Mm -hmm. right. And you're going to be seriously underwater. Big upside down on that. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Thank you, John. Very good question. Before we wrap things up, I want to go back to uh, Dave Scrivener. Dave has had a chance to experience. One of the most talked about sporty cars ever, even when it was in production. Now, it was out of production for a couple of years. Now it's back, the 2023 Nissan Z. 
Stopped production in 20, I believe. Did it? Okay. I believe so. All right. Anyway. Um, this is not really an oh, – I think they still use the old chassis a little bit mm. and mm. upgraded the – you know, caster and camera for better turn. In We've been teased about this I know, for yeah. what? Two years, three years. It's just so. called a Z now. Right. You know, it always, the, 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 the number designation followed the size of the engine. You had a 240 right. Z because two, four, 2.6. This would have been a 300 Z because it's a three liter twin turbo V6. So I think going to just Z gives it the cachet. I do too. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to you want to go down from 370Z back to 300. Right. It's sure. kind of a, a, a downward spiral there. Um, 400 horsepower for less than 40k is the tagline basically. I mean, the Supra's not quite 400 horsepower. It's about 10 grand more, right? Mm, I believe so. This car is a bar- looks like a bargain. It's a bargain, and it comes in two trim level. That they have the everybody has the launch edition. This is the proto. Thing it's mm-hmm. you know ten grand more than the middle version, but gives you the wheels and the trim and the stitching and the color and all that. But basically, there's two versions: the base and the performance and sport or sport and performance. Mm-hmm. And the base model is, is no slouch. It's got the same 400 horsepower. Doesn't have limited slip rear. A couple little things like go fast goodies that aren't quite there. But it's it's certainly a, a great driver's car. Nothing to complain about. Nothing you're not missing anything by driving the base model. The 370Z and its immediate predecessors, generally speaking, they were competent, but they got fairly soft. Do you feel like this is a return to the more the original formula of a, I won't say bare bones or serious, but basically a, a true sports car? True sports car, and for street, for driving, do you feel really in tune with the car, in tune with the road? Um, great crisp steering, uh, throttle, and throttle response is very good. Not a whole lot of turbo lag, but it's there, and you feel the 400 horsepower. It's not a track car like the Supra mm-hmm. is. It's not meant to be. They don't brag about Nürburgring lap times and, and how fast is 0 to 60. It's competent. It's fast. It's not as fast as the Supra, I don't think. Was it fun? Very fun. Very engaging. So you could basically toss the rear end around a little bit? A little bit, or... yeah. Um, with the 6B, more than the automatic, um, more to my liking, but they offer both. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, you know, a good performance car for the money, especially. Any comments on what it looks like? It's an, an interesting mix of old it, and new. It, it, everybody kind of says, well, from here back, it looks great. The mouth is kind of like a, this big squared-looking thing. But they showed the presentation was very, you know, carefully showed the, the arc of the roof and how it squats in the rear a little bit like the old cars. And the headlight bucket isn't dished out like it used to be, but it has the same kind of design theme and a great talk to us by the designer itself, himself, and he was very engaging in history of the car and how it harkens back to the original but looks toward the future as well. So I think it was a great effort. You know, most cars, they would do a couple dozen design sketches, and they had like 140 or 400 oh design goodness. sketches to choose from. And <laughs> you know, this may be the last new internal combustion engine sports car. It's very possible. That's when sad. You think about it. <laughs> That's really sad. I mean, you, you know, there, there's certainly Mazda and, and Fiat are in no rush to redo the Miata. Mm. Uh, and uh, I just wonder if this is not, with the exception maybe of something from uh, even Mercedes, but they just did a new SL, so and mm-hmm. the SLK is gone. So when you, BMW, I don't know what they're doing with the, but this could be the last internal combustion engine sports car, yeah. new one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think the Z has the heritage of the Z name and what that car represented and what it was throughout the years. Right. 
matches closely to its current model more so than the Supra does, which is now a small little car. The, right. the Supra was, it got big in the 90s. It got and, big. You know, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Now it's kind of, a, it's a BMW. And <laughs> yeah. I should say that in one of my last <laughs> comment, a lot of people. BMW adjacent on the interior with certain aspects. Yeah. I wasn't including uh, things like the Mustang or Camaro in that comment. So, yeah. which, well, mm. so would you put your money down on one? If I fit it a little better, I would. Oh, yeah. I, was, now, now, I was four inches shorter. For, Dave, uh, for clarity, Dave's, uh, what are you, 6'4"? 6'2". 6'2", okay. Just the legs didn't quite have enough didn't room quite for everyday comfort. And the helmet hit the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. so I wouldn't do much anyway in the car I owned. But like. <laughs> My helmet was hitting the ceiling in the EQS today. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, that's it's, got a very it's fairly low be, roof, yeah. especially with that, that retractable. Uh, sunshade. Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, I, again, I think we're all kind of biting at the uh, bullet one to get in one. Oh, yeah. Twelve so right. before we wrap things up, any more rants and raves? We did a pretty good rant and rave on the, uh, the lightning round, but is there anything else out there that is uh, overjoying you or uh, no? I feel like I always come up with them, like when uh, I'm, like, driving. Well, that's... Yeah. No, but, yeah, like, yeah. here or, like, to work. Down while I'm driving. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just draw on a blank once we oh, sit down. You know what? I think uh, I had a rant, unless you have a rave or something. No, I had a, I, uh, a little rant, but go ahead. I, I think my rant is, um, and I don't know that this is, like, really applicable to, like, many situations, but we were kind of talking about this, mm. uh, uh, like, last week, and it was automatic seatbelts. Oh, yes. Oh, when you they tighten up on yeah, you the, the second no, you no, 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 no. These are the old, old GM, ones. The oh, automatic yeah. wrap-around seatbelts that you would those. open the door yep. and a motor would, would retract the shoulder belt. <laughs> bring it over. Because they didn't have a lap portion. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. just a shoulder. It was just yeah, a body that, belt. Yeah, so John, yeah, John like, was talking about that last, last week, and I remember that my dad had that in his car a long time ago. I won't, mm. he, he, I must have been a Nissan at the time. It's the 80s, I guess. He must have owned, it must have been a Sentra or an Altima or something at that time, whatever car he owned. And, and like to this day, he still like has that mindset when he gets into a car that it's going to do it himself. And so then he starts driving and then he puts on a seatbelt. So, so I'm like, I I, like, who else has that ruined? You know what I mean? Like. It has to – somebody else out there has to be like I think that. Almost, Don't mean to harp on my dad too much. I think a lot of us that are older, and I'm not talking about anyone else at this table, still have this hesitation of when you get in a car, of putting it in gear before you actually put the belt on. In other words, you've reached you've, – you've, you've started it up, you put it in gear – it's actually beginning to move, and then you say, okay, and you reach back. Because it wasn't the first thing you were taught to do when you learned how to drive. Yeah, I back out of the driveway before I put my seatbelt yeah. on, so I can, so I can turn better well, that's and look good behind me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just so crazy to think that when this show started, like, people weren't wearing right, seatbelts yeah, <laughs> in cars. Oh, yeah. They weren't mandated. No, they weren't mandated. just keep you in your place. It's good. <laughs> well, my rant is kind of a good rant. It's a rant and a rave, and that is because after three podcasts of teasing you, we finally are saying goodbye to our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who is retiring but uh, not quitting work. Uh, He's going on to uh, bigger pastures. Jim has been with us on almost every one of the 278 podcasts that we've done for Motor Week. 
Uh, he's also done hundreds of hours of, of voiceovers for me and mixing our show. And uh, I don't honestly remember how many total years it involves, but let's say the decades of work. And Jim's a, a highly experienced audio engineer. He started his uh, career out in radio, like I did, so I have a certain affinity for that. But Jim, I just want to make you understand that Motor Week and everything we've done with you and the podcast have never sounded better. And the legacy that you've left with us is clearly that audio matters, no matter what the picture. Uh, and uh, we wish you uh, Godspeed, farewell. I hope you have a, a, a great uh, next career, I guess is the best thing. So here, here for Jim Bigwood. Also want to thank on this week's podcast, our podcast producer, Jessica Ray, our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And also with us today has been senior executive producer, David Scribner, and our road test producers, Kyle Scanlon. Everyone out there, thanks for joining us. If you want more Motor Week, hop on over to our website at motorweek.org. If you want to know when we are seen on your local public television station, uh, go up to the top where it says about the show, pull it down, put in your zip code. You'll get times, station, uh, location, all that info. Or hop over to uh, MavTV.com to find when our great cable partner shows us, and they show us many times a week. Gee, what am I forgetting? Go oh. to our YouTube uh, channel at YouTube.com yeah. slash MotorWeek for all yeah. of our information. Go ahead. Um, well, I also prob- I wanted to put in here that we do have a Retro Review Marathon this weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, it's for, a holiday weekend. It's a, it's a holiday weekend. So uh, for Memorial Day, we will be streaming the first half of Season 18, which is the years 1998-1999. Um, and so because it's a holiday weekend, we're going to be streaming it for – 72 hours so basically anybody that stays up that long no (laughs) so basically you know you hang out with the family you do some cookouts and then you know you go home and just flip on and we'll be on we'll basically be on all the whole whole season like 10 times well the first half it's the first half of of season 18 and that is on our youtube channel and when you look at what cars are like today and you hear (laughs) what we said about cars then you'll say can I trust anything they say? Because <laughs> in the car review business, everything you test is like, wow, we've never tested anything better until next year. This is yep. the ultimate. So, the until ultimate. Until we, we get the ultimate again yeah. and again. Everyone out there, enjoy your holiday weekend, and thanks very much for being a part of Motor Week. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Lucas Oil, TireRack.com, and RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.